0: Hello, and welcome back to the TBN UK Take Five podcast. I'm Taylor, and today we'll be discussing creativity, starting a business, and breaking the mould. Starting a business and stepping out can be a really daunting thing, but Maneksha, who is founder of Cheerfully Given, which is a gorgeous website full of Christian gifts and homewares, do check it out, she shares some of her experience and has amazing advice in business um, and just, yeah, having the faith to keep going. So before we hear my chat with her, let's catch up with the TBN UK team as we take five to chat about our own very interesting business ideas let's take a listen okay let's all take a sip
1: think the apprentice okay <sighs> business ideas <clears throat>
0: yeah so does anybody have any business ideas that they think are really needed or just anything that annoys you you go to do something and you think oh why doesn't this exist
1: or what business would you open if it was or, no risk <laughs>
2: <laughs> question because that's the question
1: I've thought about <laughs>
2: <laughs> Graham pulls out his uh, little pitch his little elevator pitch with
0: his multiple ideas what business would you open if it was no risk if you knew it would go well
1: oh I'm so glad you asked so glad <laughs>
0: <laughs> but really
2: though <laughs> uh,
1: um yeah no, no. well I it's funny I did think about this because uh the I guess the idea of running a business without risk is really weird because the, there's, like, an inherent risk to every business, isn't there? And without not it. This, not this you, one. Not this business. I know. But without <laughs> risk, is it actually worth doing? Like, what would you, like, no, hang on. Delete.
0: <laughs> yes, this is the answer to your question. <sighs> Would I eat an entire chocolate cake if there was no risk? Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Okay, so one thing I did think is if uh, if there was no risk at all, you'd do something really fun, like you would just be in a workshop making stuff, or like you wouldn't have to worry about how many things you're going to sell. You can just do whatever you want. So you could go and live in, in Machu Picchu. And be a farmer <laughs> on the side of the hills,
0: but what? Wouldn't you be in the dark? Wasn't the whole thing about that like, you're in the dark? Or was that just at the top?
1: What do you mean? Who's in the dark?
0: You said <laughs> on a previous episode that Machu Picchu's dark.
1: Oh, that's at night time.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand that.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm okay. just saying you could be anywhere in the whole world. You could be a farmer, which is inherently quite a risky job, and you'd be outside. You'd be, but you could choose like an amazing part of the world, and because there's no risk. Presumably, everything's going to grow, no problem, and sell, no problem. Mm. So he's easy. Peasy.
0: Okay, maybe I need to change the no risk to, <laughs> you have the startup funds, oh. but the success is up to you.
1: Okay, so not. So it a magical has to be good. World, I see. No, it's
0: not a magical world. It's um, you have to actually do well.
1: Can I just tell you, this is maybe off topic, but I uh, I once did a, an interview at Glasgow School of Art, um and we sat around this table and um, we had to, the brief was to come up with a fantasy um, scenario, right? And bearing in mind this is an interview for a design degree, everybody around the table, we're all sitting and drawing all our ideas and stuff and they give us like 20 minutes or something. And at the end of it, they they turned to me, uh, we're gonna start with you, Graham. okay and my fantasy scenario was a drawing of unicorns flying through space and i tried to talk about this scenario for like i got about 10 seconds in (laughs) when i saw everybody's face the the face is just looking at me like what is this guy talking (laughs) and everyone else had done like fantasy designs product designs like things that Ringo would help stuff. the world, real things.
2: Oh my gosh. And you're there with the unicorns.
1: I didn't get in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're that's actually quite amazing. funny, Graham, you know.
1: Oh, thank you, Taylor.
0: <laughs> I feel like you're a Carl Pilkin.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm going for. I
2: just, I just really can't funny. believe you had, um, you thought of unicorns. Like, where yeah, was your brain?
1: Like they said, fa- they used the word fantasy, I'm sure of it. I'm pretty sure.
2: Wow. <laughs> Straight
1: that's to amazing. Yeah. Anyway, what that's frust-
0: our topic. That's fine. What frustrates me is that I feel like we're constantly inventing new things. Mm. Um. I don't know if I have said this before, but it just really bothers me. Like things like um, like floating cars. You know, they've like done that with magnets and stuff. Mm-hmm. But all I want is someone to give me an umbrella that works and doesn't blow back in the wind. Oh. Like, why are we putting so much investment into floating cars when we I haven't guess- mastered the umbrella?
1: It exists. It, where, the the where working it? Um, the working umbrella is um, it's designed in Wellington, which is <laughs> the windy city, right. and it's um, the top of the umbrella it spins on a ball bearing, so it basically turns in the direction of the wind.
0: <gasps> wow, that's it's amazing! Small. Oh so, my goodness, like a Dyson. Uh, the Dyson ball. Dyson, what's it called? It's a ball. Well, anyway, yes, I like the Just
1: idea. Just like a Dyson, except an umbrella. Yeah.
0: Essentially,
1: <laughs> <It's> yeah. <laughs> I always have design ideas. I like. I've got a Trello board. If you know what Trello is, so hopefully you guys do because we use it. But, you do now. Um. Yeah, I've got a list essentially of so many ideas, and what I've realised is ideas are cheap, and it. I need that uh, no risk, ultimate startup fee that you're offering Taylor in order to do yeah. some of my ideas. What's really your best nice.
0: idea? Oh, or do you not want to say in case someone nicks it now?
1: Well, I, I thought of a couple that I don't mind sharing because they pretty much exist or they're impossible. So, um, one of them is I live in a really noisy part of London um, where, you know, if you in the summer, if you have the windows open, then you can hear people murdering each other and stuff. <laughs> so, I want to have the windows open but not hear what's going on outside. So, my idea is these kind of curtains that let air flow through but don't let sound waves through. Yes.
0: Ooh. Okay. It's impossible. <laughs> but, <laughs> Is it?
1: Yeah, because sound waves mm. travel through air.
0: Yes. So,
1: Well, that's mm. probably not very scientific, what I just said, so don't write Well,
0: air. No, because, yeah, because so many things can, like, muffle sound. Yeah. When air still gets through them. It would be better know.
1: if it was muffled screaming rather than just screaming. It would be an improvement. <laughs> i also thought of uh like nescafe you know how you use um cartridges all the time and you're just throwing them in the bin i thought mm-hmm. you could make a nescafe cartridge that you put coffee into seal it up and then you can reuse it
0: what's a nescafe cartridge
1: oh do i mean nescafe
0: do you mean espresso
1: i mean nespresso
0: they do that yeah, they've got reusable pods and different Well, I knew items. that.
1: That's why I put it. That's why I'm mentioning okay, it. Okay. But, but I basically, thought you had the idea. idea. Yeah, oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It is horrible when you think of an idea and it's actually really good, and then you realise you have no money. So
2: <laughs> you can't make You're it just happen. Just waiting for
0: someone else to do it. Sad. Yeah. So if anyone wants
1: to sponsor our ideas, just yeah. write to uh, info at dog. Yeah.
2: So it's great to chat with you. Uh, What is new in your world at the moment? Uh, The newest thing for me is that I just got a puppy about a week ago. So we rehomed a little 12-week-old puppy that somebody had bought because of lockdown and then realised how much work puppies are and um, couldn't keep him. So we rehomed him and he is an absolute hoot.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. Do you know what I heard about this? Like apparently so many people ended up with dogs because they thought, you know, I'm lonely, I can have a dog now Mm. because I'm working from home, forgetting that obviously (laughs) dogs will last a little bit longer than a lockdown.
2: Yeah 100% and I think the RSPCA did an article and it said like in six months there's going to be like a major issue with dogs needing to be rehomed because so many people uh, like basically don't want to keep the dog long term, it's just sort of to get them through this lockdown period so Stay tuned for lots of puppies and young dogs available for rehoming at the end of 2020.
0: Oh, do you know what? I really want a dog. So I'm going to hold on to that. I keep trying to convince my husband, Nathan, but he's <laughs> not too sure. I don't know if the so, finances is going stretch. So maybe that's a good option for me. <laughs>
2: if it um if it's any consolation it's taken me 7 years to get Andrew to agree to a second dog and now we have two dogs so i recommend starting to work on Nathan now if you are planning to rescue a dog at the end of this year <laughs> okay. so maybe in what 2027 20, <laughs> yeah
0: i mean i love on your instagram your relationship with do the older dog so you have uh, what what would you call your relationship with your poodle um
2: like stalker and stalky maybe (laughs) he watches me like all the time although to be fair he did it more in a more creepy way when we lived at Nottingham but we moved to London at the end of 2019 and he now we're in a much smaller space so there's not as much room for him to creep because he's just like in the room with me all the time
0: (laughs) yeah London will do that everything gets smaller in London
2: yeah Apart so from Dougal, was. he feels like he's got bigger because um, we're in a much smaller flat and he's basically the size of a sheep. <laughs> so <laughs> Dougal feels like he's expanded in size since we moved. <laughs> I mean, we actually
0: met in London, didn't we, the first time? So yeah. we met at a, a girls' event, like a big church, younger girls' event. I think we were both, well, we were both exhibiting, weren't we? So you run mm. Cheerfully Given and I remember you turning up with, like, giant suitcases, um, very helpful husband, and I thought... This woman understands the struggle of starting a business.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so crazy because, like, we had this whole setup it included, like, four IKEA wooden crates filled with like different products and um all all that stuff. And then I remember you you rocked up and you had just like a beautiful tablecloth and issues of Clarity. And I was like, I <laughs> love that you can just kind of rock up with a box of magazines and you don't have to trek like art prints greetings cards pocket mirrors like all these random different things that I had in my suitcase along with all the things to display said items um it I feel like it's probably much easier to show up to um exhibit events when you don't have to carry basically half a whole household of things with you <laughs>
0: yes, for sure. my kind of threshold is between an a5 and an a4 <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so good. yeah exactly but to be fair your stuff is beautiful so cheerfully given obviously has so many different things so gifts home do you know what I honestly just scroll through and just I have to look at my budget Nathan doesn't like that I end up with a lot of home home items arriving from random mm. places um but I mean what's it be what's it been like being in the middle of all of that is your home just like a massive catalogue of Christian goodies or is it a bit more organised
2: No so I think um I'm I'm quite distinctive in my own taste in terms of what I like so I tend to be um like very carefully curated things because the other end is that I hoard all the beautiful things from cheerfully Given and just end up with a house that looks like a really disorganized um Christian shop or something (laughs) um so I um I have uh, sort of got my own little boundaries that I've created where we have um so our our home is mostly like shades of teal uh yellow and pink in terms of the decor, so we paint everything white and then we have like art and um Smaller decorative items that are in the, those colors and our furniture and stuff as well. So it just kind of ties it all together and it means that I can only buy things that fit, fit in with that color scheme instead <laughs> of ending up with literally all the things. um Because there's just like literally, they've got like four and a half thousand plus items on the website and I love all of them. So <laughs> it could be a very expensive and a very um, visually disorganized uh, <laughs> home if I wasn't a bit more structured about it.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I would just end up with so much stuff. It's when we're quite lucky in a way that we rent because often we can't Mm. nail things into walls, but I think we'd end up with a little bit too much on the walls if I carry
2: on. Um, Oh, man. Honestly we so we live in church housing because of Andrew's job and we have a similar situation like we can put stuff up on the walls if we want but because we've spent so long living in other people's houses I have basically just come up with hundreds of different ways to display things without needing to put anything actually on a wall Uh, so yeah depends how determined you get once you've lived and rented for a while I think
0: yeah for sure I mean have you always liked kind of decor and pretty things and like aesthetically pleasing homes or is it something that developed kind of when you started the business
2: yeah so I think it's it's definitely developed over time definitely before the business like when I was um yeah, I think when I when I was like a young teenager, I remember me and my mum were at IKEA and we found this absolutely ginormous um it's like the expedite style shelves but they had it in like baby pink and it was in um the um you know the cheap corner in IKEA when it's slightly damaged and they're they're selling it off for cheap yeah, and it had been display cool. Yeah, so it had been in the display um section and it was down from like 150 quid to 30 quid. And I was like, mum, I am having that shelf. And she was like, but it's, it's, it's fully built. Like, how are we going to get that home? I was like, it's fine. So I bought it and I dismantled it in the IKEA lobby area and loaded it up into the car. Um, and I remember when I was younger, like enjoying putting things up and styling things on sh- shelves and things like that. Um, but my family aren't typically... Uh, of that nature so my grandma has done a lot of traveling in a camper van and she's very much like you know she's a functional person so she's very creative but she'll collect lots of mementos um because they're meaningful rather than because they look a certain way whereas mm. i prefer things that look a certain way so um it's definitely something i've kind of learned because my family aren't focused on that kind of aesthetic um and i just love um color and um making things look beautiful Um, my Turkish family, say I'm half Turkish and my Turkish family, like Turkish interior taste is quite something. (laughs) There's like, (laughs) there's a lot of like gold and frills and shiny fabric. And like for our wedding, we got given some towels, like really beautiful quality towels from my dad's cousin, but they had, um, like pearls glued onto them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I was like I don't know how you would ever use that as a towel because it's covered in like pearls and like these little hard stones and things and you're like I'm not sure it's meant to be functional but it's a it's a very unique kind of I would I would put it into maybe like I don't know 60s style and um, like the kind of thing that you might see um with some of the like polyester materials um and the sort of focus on sheen that I'm not a big fan of um so yeah, so it's not really come from my family. It's been something that's sort of developed over time. But having those physical reminders, like for me, a lot of my decor um, includes like Bible verses and reminders of who Jesus is. And that has come out of the fact that my family are Muslim. And so for me to have those physical reminders of my faith around my home is not only good for me week to week to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, but it's also good when people come into our home, they Mm. understand that we are Christians and that Jesus shapes everything that we do, whether they're um, atheists or Muslims or Buddhists or other Christians. So um, that's always been important for me as well.
0: Yeah, of course. And I guess that's kind of what you see throughout The cheerfully given website and on your social media as well. It's all about extending your faith and you're kind of equipping people to then do that in their own homes. I mean, I feel exactly the same way having family that aren't Christians. Like now that Nathan Mm. and I are talking about potentially looking at houses, I'm like, how can we, not just in our actions, but in our aesthetics, kind of just point towards God when people come in and visit? I mean, you mentioned your move to London earlier. I wonder if. Has that kind of broadened your view of who who you're extending your faith to and kind of working with in different churches with different people?
2: Yeah, so I think it's hospitality has always been like a really strong value for us. And I think London life has made that easier because even though there's this reputation of London being like really busy and people being standoffish and things, because it's so busy, I think you end up with local communities really bonding together much more so Mm. I have found people are much more open and receptive to community life in London than they were in the part of Nottingham we were in where everyone was very individualistic and church was this thing that you did on Sundays and um that sort of thing so I'm definitely um like get that's a journey that I've been on myself because Turkish culture, which I am much more Turkish than British in my natural state, mm-hmm. um, Turkish culture is very open, and that is something that I have come to British culture with, um, and uh, been rebuffed in certain circumstances. So it's been one of those things where I've had to like learn what is um, I don't know if appropriate is the right word, but just dealing with the kind of socially awkward. Uh, situations that you can end up with when you show up in a certain way and other people feel like um, that's too vulnerable or too open for their comfort if that makes sense
0: Mm, yeah for sure and speaking of I think we've chatted before as well about kind of showing up and not necessarily being not necessarily fitting the mold of what people expect when you're running a business and actually your yes. I guess your CV if you like is actually pretty stacked you're a very smart person <laughs> so you work actually <laughs> kind of advising a lot of other businesses don't you and um mm. yeah I just wondered if you had any stories of when kind of you've shown up and people haven't expected kind of you a young woman to have a business and to have you know expertise to pass on mm. what has that been like?
2: So it's really funny because this has happened actually even since we've moved to London so the most recent example of this is I met someone who's connected to our church and we went for a walk and she is like this incredible business owner and like runs her family's business she's super visionary and it's incredible and we were talking and walking and she was like okay so like tell me a bit more about you so I just kind of and like what you do because we were talking about work and leadership and I just gave her an outline of some of the stuff that I have been up to and she was like oh my goodness like, I had no idea I just figured that you were like a full-time vicar's wife <laughs> <laughs> and um I was like no actually that's like that's probably the most neglected part of my life at the moment to be honest you know the the vicar's wife role for instance <laughs> um but he's then... got a puppy he's got a puppy now so that's fine <laughs> yeah ex- exactly uh, the dogs can help him in his ministry. No, I am part of the leadership team here at our church and stuff, but I think it's just that 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 like traditional perception of what a pastor's wife is. That I don't have the time to meet up with people for coffee on a weekday every every week because I've got, you know, business to run and um quite often my, my time is needed there. So I, I end up having to do things in the evenings or on weekends and things like that. So um that you know, that's one recent example and another example is um I was being interviewed by a Christian radio station and I was travelling down to London for it like the day after an event and mm-hmm. I was at this event and our bishop's wife came over and she was like, Oh, how is everything going with you? And like cheerfully given and all that and I was like, Yeah, you know, all everything's good, like things are just progressing and growing and she said oh what are you up to this week and I just sort of mentioned you know just small talk I was just like oh I'm actually heading down to London uh, I've got this interview tomorrow and she was so shocked like her face was like what and I was like oh yeah I've got like an interview she was like what do you, do you mean that like, on the radio and I said yeah and she said I thought chiefly given was just like a little craft business (laughs) and I was like (laughs) no (laughs) it's like it's slightly bigger than that um so it's just that kind of perception of like oh well it must just be like a hobby or something that you do in some of your free time because um yeah of what your husband does so that has been and I've had to learn how to be gracious in the face of that because I think my um my immediate response is like, "Why would you assume that somebody isn't doing anything based on the fact that their husband has a certain job or like for people whose wives are church leaders, like maybe you have that experience? My experience is as a as a female wife to a male church leader, so i' I'm, I'm speaking out of that experience, but um i I just find it really." um a little bit crazy that people would assume that you live a certain lifestyle because your husband has a certain job it's like if your husband was a lawyer would you assume that you were a trophy wife um mm-hmm. it's that you know that kind of thing Um, so that's definitely been a journey that I've been on um of just you know continuing to be gracious in those situations when people don't expect anything of me <laughs> beyond <laughs> uh, beyond like meeting up for pastoral chats over coffee when you
0: said cheerfully given it's a little bit bigger than that it has just grown and like blown up hasn't it like it's just such a joy to see kind of all of the engagement and I know it's not all about numbers it's not all about you know likes clicks and shares but Mm. it's so nice to see just what a community you're building because that's what it is isn't it it's a creative community you've got loads of people kind of being able to share their work and their creativity on your website and through your platforms I mean what's it like being in the middle of that both from a business sense but also as you know a group of people
2: yeah I think I have so I'm a massive introvert and um I love meeting up with people one-to-one and things like that but I definitely had to go through a bit of a like leadership journey when I realized just how big the community was getting and how I show up in that and because I just found it so overwhelming that there's all these people who like love our brands and want to engage with us and stuff and I um, want to create space for people and you know really connect with people in a genuine way but that becomes very difficult when you've got like tens of thousands of people in your audience and you know compared to a lot of organizations we're still relatively small but we have got a really highly engaged community and I love connecting with people. And I think it's just amazing to be able to um, talk to people about exciting, creative things that share Jesus. And it's like, okay, like what does sharing Jesus look like for us as regular Christians? Like we're not trying to make you be evangelists or trying to make you become church leaders or trying to encourage you to take a gap year and do an apprenticeship. Like we literally just want to get really excited about sharing Jesus in our day-to-day lives because we know that he transforms societies and he's the central reality. So I think um for me I've definitely had to process food like okay so now how do I show up and still be able to create space for people when we have over 180 people selling on our website when we've got you know 25,000 people seeing our posts on Facebook every day when Mm -hmm. we've just done a summit we did a virtual event and we had like 1800 people show up to that and it was like the engagement levels were so high it was amazing but I just came to the point where I realized I was like I can't reply individually to every single comment during this summit because I don't have the capacity for that so thinking through it in terms of like if we were a real life event and there was 1800 people there of course I wouldn't be able to talk to every single person so Mm. kind of understanding that in a digital sense as well I think we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like reply to every single thing um and and actually that's not that's not real life in in, um in person but it's also really really difficult online as well because typing comments actually takes a lot longer than speaking verbally to someone so um yeah I don't know if I answered your question really it was just a few thoughts that I've been I've been mulling that over since the summit in June because um again like when your heart is for like hospitality and creating that space and making sure that people feel seen and encouraged and and part of something you want to do the best job of that and yeah. you it gets to a point where like it's beyond you as a single person and it's like how do we um, continue that culture as a whole community of people so that the burden doesn't fall on one particular person because that, that's not the vision for that's not the vision that Jesus has for the world is it like he sends 12 disciples out to reach all nations and right. um, he gives like church full of people the body of Christ like full of people to do all of the different types of work like the burden the only time a burden falls on one person is when Jesus is redeeming all of humanity and he does that as the God man and yeah. so like we need to basically if we ever feel personally responsible for achieving something we need to take a step back and check our ego
0: (laughs) yeah for sure and I think what you say is so true like about falling on one person because I don't know about you like my experience is and it it must happen with cheerfully given when something looks really good like to the public when something's branded well it looks Mm. really attractive that the social media is on point I think people then presume that that business is absolutely fine they've probably got you know a massive staff team it's Mm -hmm. you know it's running it looks like it's running like a a massive organization that I don't need to support or kind of you know you know not expect the world from where Mm -hmm. you know I've seen you carry a lot and actually people forget sometimes that with what are small business even if they're big to the world (laughs) Mm -hmm. um you know it can be a struggle and and actually you've got to have those limits and those realistic of expectations of yourself like you said about replying to everyone or how much you can do in a month or Mm. you know whatever it is you just can't be too hard on yourself I mean it's got to be tiring hasn't it?
2: Yeah it's definitely like it it was it's definitely tiring (laughs) for sure (laughs) and I um, worked in the business on my own until sort of the it was like the start of 2019 I had started to have regular support for I've got someone who does like 10 hours a week helping me with marketing and someone else who does like eight to 10 hours a week just ad hoc kind of admin support and just helping with some processes and things like that Mm. um and so up until you know up for, for the majority of our growth it's actually just been me behind the scenes and I also work as a marketing consultant so it's not even like I'm doing 50 or 60 hours a week just on chiefly giving because I've got um I've got another other work that I have to do as well so you definitely get to a point where you are just physically and mentally quite tired um mm. and when you are carrying all of the the expectations of other people it makes it very difficult to move forward so really getting to grips with the idea of working for the singular vision that the living God has given to me and you know moving forward in a way that says okay is this helping us share Jesus and encourage creatives and and celebrate creativity um yes or no. Uh, and that's, you know, just being really focused on that vision and not getting distracted by um what other people think you should should or shouldn't do as well. I think mm. that's um a real challenge. But having people around you to support you and build you up when you are feeling low. It's like that idea of like um Moses arms were held upright. Um oh, we yeah. can't hold our own arms up when we get so tired. So definitely having people who are mentors or people who um, just pray for you and encourage you. And there's been, you know, quite a few people who've been really faithful over the last five years at just sort of checking in with me, even if it's once every six months and just saying, hey, I'm praying for you and um, here's a Bible verse to encourage you. Let me know if there's anything I can do. And that is amazing.
0: I wonder if if somebody is listening that wanted to start a business maybe they've got a burning vision or, or an idea um I'm gonna nab some advice from you now I should probably be paying for this um, do you have no, maybe awesome. like three kind of tips or things you should have in place like before you start um I'm thinking kind of you know your marketing expert mm. and branding and things like that like what what things should you have in
2: place before you begin that process So I think for me, it's not at all so much as a trait that you develop. (laughs) Resilience is so important when you're starting out on a project, because especially if you're more creative, which are typically the people that I've worked with the most, um, it's creatives tend to be very optimistic and visionary and so we'll have these like big ideas for what could happen if we start our own business and then when we start them and actually things grow quite slowly or there's a lot of teething problems it can be really easy to just give up and say oh i don't think this is god's will for me um but there's um i think it's in like two peter i can't remember but the whole idea of um uh it's suffering and then glory and we see that with jesus like he um suffers through death on the cross and comes out into glorious resurrection and brings all of humanity and creation with him and so um, when we come to business we expect glory without suffering so often um, but actually the pattern of life is that we do struggle for a season before we see that breakthrough so I think um, resilience is a really important thing to cultivate mm. or to be aware of because when you first start out you might not have resilience but it's just remembering that when things happen that discourage you it's like okay but this isn't the end of the story. There's always tomorrow. And um, that has been something that has served me really well. Um, and yeah. the second thing I think is just being really aware of what your skills and gifts are as well. So there's a difference between doing something as a hobby because you enjoy it and doing something as a professional because you are very gifted in that area and have spent a lot of time becoming an expert in that, that space. So mm. when you commit to to running a business like are you committing to be an expert in that particular uh, in that particular space so if you are wanting to start an illustration business for instance are you committing to be a professional illustrator and develop your illustration skills to a professional level and um if you're you know for you you're a, you run clarity as well and you've got um, all of that incredible magazine Uh, publishing and editing experience but that's a journey that you are committed to Um, and for me as a marketer I'm committed to my professional development as a marketer and I keep up to date with industry trends and I read a lot about marketing and so that um, that idea of like um, gifts and skills and just being quite self-aware in that Um, there's a few things there's like a spirit if you if you google spiritual gifts quiz mm. there's like um there's like a spiritual gifts quiz that you can do and it's something like the Myers-Briggs type thing but from a um spiritual perspective and like when I did that my top things came out as like hospitality and generosity which is what my business is all about like at the heart of my business is um like well no that was it it was encouragement hospitality and generosity and then when I look at my business I'm like actually those three things are like core to what we do Mm -hmm. so um understanding how your whole person fits into what you want to do as a business is really helpful as well because if your skills are around um encouragement and generosity but you want to become a lawyer for instance that isn't necessarily going to and um, gel with your core vision and values if you're going into like quite a corporate workplace for instance mm. so that's a really off the top of my head example but just um it's again something that has been really helpful for me to keep going and then yeah. I think the third thing is to seek out ment- mentors so for me um learning from people and um, I always um, like to be the most stupid person in the room <laughs> so if mm-hmm. I can put myself in a situation where I have like I'm the most inexperienced and I know the least of anybody in a room then I know that that is a learning opportunity for me to grow in my faith to grow in my leadership skills to grow in my business to grow as a person um and so for me to seek out people who know more than me, um, who are willing to answer questions, who are willing to um, yeah, support support that and quite often that's in a paid capacity. you know like I pay for coaching and mentorship as well And um, but even in your you know in your church family you'll have people who um want to who see your skills and who want to invest in you and pray with you and who uh, want to support you so those are the three things I think I would recommend resilience being really confident of your skills and gifts and seeking out mentors
0: no, that's amazing. I absolutely love that. I feel like speaking to you is always a fantastic kick up the bum. I don't know, can I say <laughs> kick up the bum? I'm saying kick up the bum. <laughs> and it's just such an encouragement because I just love what you said as well about being committed to becoming like an expert in field or committing to taking that skill to a level where you're going to run a business because mm. I think that's different to saying, you know, becoming one overnight, but being committed yeah. to the journey because I think there's so many checkpoints where you're like, did I do a degree in this? Like, am I, what is going mm. on? You know, am I there yet? Oh, I've made another mistake. But actually it's when you're committed to always taking it to the next level and growing and learning from the mistakes. Mm. I think that's the distinguishing factor, isn't it?
2: Yeah, 100%. And I, I don't have a degree in marketing, but I am globally a really good marketer. Like, you know, I'm, I've worked with some really incredible businesses who are doing very, Big things in terms of impact, and I've done that because I'm really good at what I do, but I didn't learn that at university I didn't study it at all, so um I don't say that to brag. I say that to say that like when you're committed to developing that's literally all that matters like you don't need to have got any kind of professional even professional experience you know when you're first starting out if you're commit if you've got commitment to learning and to um growing in in that journey, then that's all you need um yeah. So yeah, just, I guess, I think we quite often get caught up in this idea of like strengths versus weaknesses. And we see that a lot in interviews for uh, work and for jobs and things like that. And it's like, what's your biggest weakness? Because we, you know, and and it comes from a place of like, oh, you know, are you aware of it? Do you want to work on it and develop it? And I think probably what they're trying to get at is like, does this person have a growth mindset? Are they self-aware? But I much prefer to look at, like, what are you good at or what are you really willing to work on to become the best at? And Mm. that is when you find your purpose and find work that is truly fulfilling because you're not um, you're not constantly feeling insecure about the things that you're bad at. It's just somebody else does that. And we see that in the body of Christ. Right. Some yeah. people are really good at teaching. Some people are really good at prayer. Some people are really good at hospitality. We're not expecting everyone to be the whole body of Christ all the time. So I think just really understanding what our strengths are is is great. And also understanding like the reason. Um, it was kind of accidental, but I gave you those three um, business business things and none of them were um related to make sure that you've got 10,000 hours worth of experience in one particular area or make sure you've studied marketing at UAL or something like that like because all of those things like Um, sorting out your finances understanding how marketing works developing a product range or a service range all of those things can be learned and you don't need to intrinsically have them in order to be a successful business um but the things that you do need to intrinsically have are things like resilience and um so you've got some internal that resilience is like that internal motivator um and it sort of um helps you to move forward from an internal point of view and the mentors are that external motivator so when your internal resilience is struggling you've got external mentors who can help move you forward Um, and then that commitment as well is just like have you are you willing to crack on and do it great crack on and do it then
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure I love that and I think you're so spot on it reminds me of like David in the bible I mean God loves the unqualified or at least Mm. unqualified to the outside eye whereas the the character on the inside is actually the qualification you know are you going to stick at it are you going to stick with me and I think that God that's the heart that God looks for I mean time and time again he he puts people in situations where if you looked at the resource the qualification (laughs) um, all of the kind of you know black and white things they they were not ready for what God, God was saying, but the character was there. And so he Mm. brought them from strength to strength. I think that's absolutely amazing. So for you, as we said, you know, you've got 1000s, 1000s of followers and many shoppers. And I think, I just wonder how, how did that happen? I mean, would you say it's skill? Would you say it's miracle? Would you say it's both? Um, How did you see it kind of go from an idea to something so much bigger?
2: So this is um like an ongoing, it's not a joke, but it, it's just like a funny thing that happens that I've noticed over the last period of years. So I originally um, had the idea for Chiefly Given like at the very start of 2015. I like woke up in the middle of the night. It was like 3am with the idea for it in January 2015. And I think that is, um that was definitely like the spirit waking me up with that, um, like mm. looking back. Um, and uh then we launched the beta platform in June 2016. And when we launched the beta platform, I had been praying for this six months before. I was like, Lord, just give us 12 people who can really understand what this vision is about. Um, it'll show where we want to go. And um, it'll just really, you know, um, give the outside world a taste of what's possible when people come together in community to do projects and we launched with 36 people and then um a few months later we did a kickstarter to build our 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 current website which is the non beta version like the proper website and Mm. we did a kickstarter and I was like oh it'd just be great if we could raise five thousand pounds and we raised fifteen thousand pounds and then we just did our summit and I was like oh it'd be awesome if we could get 500 people signed up and we got 1800 people signed up to it so um basically there's like a few other situations as well like this is you know it's not just those three it's happened quite consistently in other areas as well but just that idea of like I'll have um I'll have like a little goal for something and I'll be like oh Lord please could you just give us this and then he gives us triple Right. <laughs> and it's like just every like every time I'm I, I'm like, oh no, but like I think it would just be awesome if we could just do this. And he's like, No, like actually I'm gonna I'm gonna triple this and um give you everything that you need for more. Yeah, um so sure. that has been, you know, it's definitely not been it's not been just me do you know what I mean um I'm skilled at marketing like I'm uh, you know and I've reached a point in my career where I can say that with you know relative ease because I think sometimes acknowledging the things that you're good at is difficult and but for me like I can say no I am good at marketing it's a skill that I have been gifted with and Mm. I hope that I use that in a way that shares and honors Jesus and that is always my heart's desire um but the growth has been completely the Lord's doing and um, somebody gave me back in 2017, I think it was, and somebody gave me the verse Isaiah 54 verse two um, and it's about clearing lots of ground um spreading your tent wide thinking big and um, driving your pe- tent pegs deep and just really having this big vision of growth oh and gosh. that verse has really stayed with me because I think um yeah we can you know we can do that we can clear the ground we can drive the tent pegs but you know who provides the tent is the living God so right. that has been something that um you know it's not it's not just um about it's not just about us so that and we're, we're about to launch a, a business membership for people and we've called it the Tent Peg Collective out of that verse in Isaiah 340 because it's meant so much to me as a on my own business journey and um, just that idea of uh, growth and expansion. having this really big vision of what's possible when you follow the living God and because Mm. we can so often live in a space of um like scarcity and doing things in a in like an apologetic way and so we show up to our non-christian friends and we might be a bit embarrassed to talk about the fact that we're christians or that we're doing things that are for the kingdom and actually when you um you know, when you look to the living God, he controls all of reality, like all of the resources in the entire universe are at the disposal of the living God. And we are in his family. So he's giving us these visions. And like, he can make that, you know, he can give us the resources we need, whether it's time or energy or finances or community. Um, he gives that to us. Um, so that we can continue to go out and just be bold in what we're doing um, and that right. has been a really transformative thing for my own leadership because it's just again it's releasing that idea of it falls on me because it doesn't fall on me it's um, I'm I'm holding up my skills and saying to the Lord like what can you do with these like please right. take them and um, let's share Jesus with them <laughs> uh, yeah. so yeah so it's a,
0: it's a bit of everything. Isn't it? it's like offering up your skills and then receiving mm. the miracles. Really, yeah. really cool. It reminds me of, you know, in the same way you've got a script that you can hold on to and kind of take through with you. I love that. Um, it reminds me of Ephesians 3.20. You know, you mm. can do more than we can ask or imagine. Um, yeah. And that's, definitely sounds like your experience which is so Mm. encouraging just living in that reality and I guess by the sounds of things just talking about you know you put yourself out there for a kickstarter so to raise Mm. the money from the public you put yourself out there to find you know sellers you put yourself out Mm. there to do what what is a very strange thing you know a, a massive event over you know the internet because of lockdown and I guess what you're doing there is you're positioning yourself to be in a place where Faith has to be the driving force and it has to be the stance because you don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, it's just incredible. I just wonder do you have any kind of advice or tips about how to position yourself in a place of faith and kind of just
2: go for it when God calls you to something? Yeah, so I think we don't put ourselves in those positions because we like to feel comfortable. And so when you are willing to feel discomfort, that allows you to step into spaces where faith takes over. And um, so there's that really cheesy Christian quote, right, about, um, I think it's a quote from someone um I can't. Remember, I can't remember who it is. So you, you might have to like credit this in the show notes or whatever. But um, it's the idea of like faith is taking the first step, even if you can't see the full staircase. And I find it yeah. it's super cheesy and cliche, but I think like it is it is true. It's like it's uncomfortable to press into the unknown and to move into a space where you're not entirely sure what could happen. Um, and I talked to JC um from CCN UK who um does amazing community events for creatives. And I talked to her um when she was first starting out, and I just said to her, Josie, like what's the worst that could happen?
1: Mm. And I
2: think um that is definitely something that for me helps me take my temperature. If I'm feeling like a bit anxious about something, it's like okay, but what's the worst that could happen? Um, so you know, uh, and and as you grow, the worst that could happen actually becomes less bad, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like uh, when you're first starting out, it's like what's the worst that could happen? Well you know I could lose everything and live in a cardboard box on the street (laughs) what's the worst that could happen well I have to get a new job and work in a different industry or what's the worst that could happen um you know that's been that's just been something that's helped me get perspective it's like what's the worst that could happen well most often with these things the worst that could happen is that your material or physical um life might feel a bit uncomfortable for a while but the best that could happen is that like hundreds of thousands of people could be exposed to Jesus and come to know Mm. him and come to faith and so I'm always thinking like okay what's the worst what's the best like that's that's really helped me in sort of my most anxious circumstances um yeah so yeah I think yeah I think that's probably the main thing that I would say is like um you need to be willing to be uncomfortable and you need to be willing to um face up to the worst versus the best case scenario
0: no, I think that's brilliant. Actually, the um, what's the worst that can happen? I actually love that, and that's something I've definitely asked myself as well. Because it's something my mum always used to say to me, or like still mm. does. Anything that I was coming up against in life, or you know, had a dream or wanted to do something, she'd say, "Okay, well, what's the worst that could happen?" And when you actually assess that, you realise, like you said, it's nowhere near uh, parallel to to the best that could happen. So that's really, really cool. So you've mentioned a couple of times um, this, you know, this online event. How did that go? What was it? You know, how did that come about? How are you feeling about it?
2: Yeah, it was so great. So it came about because last year in 2019, we um, did a conference in central London, which Taylor, you came and spoke at, and it was amazing to have you involved. Um, And we had, we sold out the tickets for that in about four weeks, and it was a small venue, and they told us that it was 450 capacity. But when we looked at viewing the the building, the (laughs) building, It would have involved people sat in the balcony, and when I looked at the balcony, you could actually see through the floor in the balcony, and I was like, "Um, as in because it was like there was holes in the wood, <laughs> not because it was glass." So I was just like, "Oh, I don't think we can put anyone up here. This is a bit too um, this is a bit too rickety for my liking." So we had two hundred people, and we had a marketplace, and we did craft workshops, and it was just a day of celebrating creativity and faith. And we were planning to do it again this year with a bigger venue. <laughs> but because of COVID, we obviously couldn't do that. So my my marketing experience, um, I work as a, a like a freelance um, CMO, so like head of marketing for a lot of entrepreneurial and content based brands. And I've done projects with people in the sort of US and um, parts of Europe, and um, a bit of consult for people in like Australia as well. So I was like, okay, well, let me take the the skills that I've done, um, that I've I've sort of gathered over the last number of years running these kinds of events for these secular content-based organizations and let's do a creative Christian version. So I reached out to a few people thinking like, oh, maybe half of them will say yes and it'll be a good event. And everyone said yes. So we ended up with like over 35 speakers, I think it was. And we did this five-day extravaganza all the sessions are like recorded so people can still purchase the content now but we did this sort of live five-day um, premiere of it almost where the sessions we pre-recorded all the sessions to make sure that we didn't have any tech issues and then we released them over this five-day period and we did sort of live Q&As and um, had lots of engagement in a Facebook group as well a private Facebook group and um, people watched them and did these craft workshops and listened to amazing interviews and listen to bible teaching and thought about what creativity and faith looks like for Christians and we had people from over 28 different countries mm. uh from around the world which was incredible because we would never have been able to achieve that in london with a venue of like 400 people uh so it was really it was really awesome and the feedback we've had from it has been just so incredible so it was It took over 500 hours um, of work to, for me, just for me, to get it all set up and working. And plus, I had sort of team involved in like helping with customer support and um, also the community engagement in the Facebook group as well. But the feedback that we've had, how inspired people felt to just follow Jesus and to celebrate creativity and to explore what their own creativity looks like with regards to their faith, was really incredible. It was really rewarding. So yeah. It was
0: awesome yeah I mean it's just incredible and again that kind of more than you could have imagined mm. I I would have been so scared I think to to do something you know come to an event but it's online but I guess just as you were talking I was thinking I suppose I mean God God is very smart but it was actually in a way a great time because people have been locked indoors mm. for, a, for a little while and it's just that hope that actually people with a common a common goal, or so, you know, something in common, yeah. passion, are gathering and coming together, and um, mm. and then having workshops just to actually stretch those creative muscles and do something must have been such a joy for so many people. So I'm so glad it went so well. It, it it's it's great. I mean, do you think do you think this is going to be something now that is going to be the future, or how do you see kind of? mixing these two 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 events together the one in
2: in person and the one mm. online so i think what we might do is end up with slightly more um exclusive is the wrong word but um just in terms of the experience side of things obviously when you have something in person it's it's exclusive in one sense because you can only have a certain number of people unless you like hire a massive campground and do sort of the big church day out thing where you get you know 40,000 people joining Mm. um but that feels you know bigger than I would want anything to be from my perspective because I quite like I like it when things feel intimate enough for everyone to connect and to meet new people. Mm. So um, yeah, I think, we'll probably end up doing in-person stuff in London that obviously we understand is limited in terms of geography and also capacity Um, but we had so much feedback from people who said please do this again next year because I could never make it to something in person and this has just been incredible and transformative for me so we had people who have got um, a disability and they wouldn't have been able to make it in person because of travel restrictions and mm. just and um, feeling um confident as well to go into a brand new space without knowing um exactly what the facilities were like and things like that and just um traveling from somewhere like Scotland with a wheelchair um is really challenging if you're coming to an event in London mm. um And we also had people from obviously lots of different countries as well who were like, I don't have anything like this in my country and I have just absolutely loved being part of it. So I think we'll, moving forward, we'll do both. I think we'll have the summit, which is digital and we'll have in-person events, which are sort of smaller and give people more opportunity to connect with the speakers um, as well in person and have those conversations
0: yeah and I think accessibility is one of those huge things that I think people have had a bit of a light bulb moment whether it be um businesses that have online platforms or Mm. probably more so churches so actual you know places where people meet they've realized oh wow you know people at the moment now have options to you know watch things back at the right time for them fit in with their routine um if they physically can't get somewhere or even just things like volume and it just there's yeah. so much stuff that in terms of accessibility like how wonderful that everyone can join together you know together but from the comfort yeah. of their own homes um it is really lovely so what have you got coming up what does what do the next few months look like you sound like you could use a bit of a rest to be honest
2: <laughs> yeah so I'm definitely planning or trying to plan to take two weeks off in August uh, before because the last part of the year is really busy for us um on the marketplace because the marketplace is obviously product focused so uh the run-up to christmas is always uh, three or four times busier than the rest of the year mm. so we've got that to um prepare for in the next few weeks we are launching our business membership the temp collective at the end of july so we're really excited about that and um, that came out of a lot of questions that we get we get a lot of like emails from people who are interested in starting a business or who've started or they're not sure what it looks like to be a Christian and also like make money so that's been um something that I'm really excited about just because of the kinds of conversations we had out of the summit and then you know over the last three years and then um yeah break in August and then towards the end of this year we just start getting really busy for that Christmas season so we end up just focusing really on supporting our sellers through that our seller community and um, because they are all small businesses and it's a really um, tiring time the run up to Christmas for people who are creating and shipping products and um, at a much higher volume than they do for the rest of the year so mm. that's um yeah that's kind of In a nutshell, really, I'm hoping that we're going to be launching a YouTube channel in September because um, we want to be doing some more fun, creative tutorials for different projects. Uh, that people can do at home and things like that as well but capacity capacity is always a challenge that's it
0: that's always the tension it's like how many ideas can I fit in my head but how many of them can I fit into my life
2: yeah exactly exactly so you we have we have big visions that don't necessarily fit into the constraints of time
0: You're going to have a 2 week break. I absolutely don't blame you.
2: What um what sort of things are you going to plan what what relaxes you? So I love going to the beach and hanging out in the fresh air and taking a good book with me as well. So I think we are going to do like a little 5 day retreat and um, spend some time reading the Bible, and listening to good Bible teaching, and just sort of being refreshed in our spirit, and then we might head towards the seaside, and I'm going to take a little pile of books with me, I think.
0: Oh, lovely. My first thought is fish and chips, but I'm always thinking about oh, I love
2: fish and chips at the seaside I have to say fish and chips that like, I grew up in Yorkshire on the coast and fish and chips was like always really good and living in London not only is the fish and chip other fish and chips like very very poor quality but they're also ridiculously expensive it's like three or four times more expensive than anywhere else in the UK yep yeah, totally agree we're still looking for a fish and chip shop and it's just not happening <laughs> yeah no I think you just basically have to give up and like drive to the coast if you want good fish and chips although there is a really good place in Nottingham so if we ever pop back and visit my parents we tend to treat ourselves to fish and chips when we're in Nottingham
0: (laughs) I don't blame you yeah we've got a good place in the Midlands so maybe it's just London (laughs) yeah yeah
2: it's just like the furthest point away from the seaside I don't know anyway um, yeah if you've ever had fish and chips in London and written them off as a dish then it's because you've had them in London Yeah, (laughs) and you should definitely try them somewhere else yeah for sure totally agree with you um we started talking about fish and chips and they would love this interview
0: (laughs) oh yeah I think every single podcast that I've done has come back to food at some point it's definitely top on my list (laughs) amazing (laughs) okay so obviously you've come quite a long way with cheerfully given and um you mentioned you know liking to read and I know that actually as you said, having mentors, but also reading is such an important part of developing your business and developing your skill. Um, I just wonder if there's any things that you have read or you'd recommend reading just to give give us just like a little boost in our in our business conduct.
2: So some of these I've read already, but I would reread them, and they might be helpful for you if you're on a business journey at the moment as well. Um, from a Christian creative point of view, I have really enjoyed. Um, Call called to create I just had to I always say created to create and it's called to create by Jordan Rayner who is uh, just amazing he's really got a lot of interesting things to say about like entrepreneurship and um just being creative in a work context as well um from a creative point of view there's a book called Creative Confidence by the Kelly Brothers and that is a really interesting book that looks at like design innovation and um, just being um, confident in your inno- innovative and creative spaces. So uh, one of the key takeaways from that is um, if you're trying to be more creative to limit your resources because if we limit time or finances or capacity then we end up having to find creative solutions for things and I found that really helpful um and then I really like the e-myth from a business leadership perspective which is by Michael Gerber and that is um all around like the different roles that you have in business so for me I'm like the visionary in our business and reading this book helped me understand where some of the growth bottlenecks were because of um things that I was trying to do that don't fit my natural way of working so that's really good Um, our first retreat that we're the five days that we're going on is all around like bible teaching so for that I would take any of the sort of book by book bible studies by Paul Blackham um, and also his um, frameworks his frameworks series uh which is all about that christian doctrine and theology and jesus is the center of everything those are excellent Um, and then i'm also trying to be more intentional about including anti-racist reading in my regular schedule so i've got some books from amazon that are arriving before we go away including um leila saeed's book um as well so those are some of the things i will be um yeah, reading in August um or that I recommend. That's perfect and really helpful. I definitely think the one you said
0: uh, was it the Kelly brothers? Yes. Yeah, I think that could definitely help me out a little bit. So I might ask you about that afterwards.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I would recommend it. I dip in and out of it if I just need a little bit of a kick of motivation. So with every guest that I've had on the
0: podcast, I've asked them a take five question. And that just involves taking five items to a certain place or in a certain context. Now you mentioned the beach earlier, big fan. Uh, So I wonder if you were going on a beach trip, what
2: five items would you need to take or want to take? So the first thing would be a bottle of Factor 50 because I am the pastiest Turkish person you will ever meet and I burn like there's no tomorrow. So (laughs) Factor 50 is very needed. Um, The second thing would be a good book. So I would take, probably I would try and take a novel um, or fiction book to the beach just for a bit of escapism. And I think then the third thing would be a barbecue for lunch. Um, You know, you could go and get fish and chips, which we have talked about, but um, I might, um, yeah, do a little disposable barbecue on the beach as well. Um, And then probably like my husband and our dogs. Which are two things. So I don't know if that's allowed. Um if I if I have to pick, I would pick my husband and um leave the dogs at home, I think. Um, because this is a public podcast and I feel like it would be really bad to say that I would take our two dogs and leave my husband at home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think with your husband you could take one of the dogs. So which
2: one's your favourite? Yeah, this is the thing. I'm like, I'd rather take both the dogs and leave my husband at home if I had to pick a dog. so yeah um that's brilliant we take the, we'd probably have to take the puppy because he's not as good at being left on his own at the moment right that's fair I feel like that's a very diplomatic answer that's that's absolutely <laughs> fine
0: <laughs> well it was absolutely lovely speaking to you I feel lifted and encouraged that I want to get on you know just applying some of these skills I'm sure our listeners will feel the same way so I really appreciate you sharing some of your stories and some of your wisdom on business and marketing
2: and starting something new so thank you yeah thanks for having me it's been a joy I always love a chat with you Taylor so yeah
0: I'm always here I mean lockdown's been pretty lonely you can just give me a call What an amazing podcast on starting a creative business. And the Creative Christianity Summit is back with Cheerfully Given, as Maneksha was talking about. So you've got a few days to get your tickets and everything else, all of their amazing products can be found at cheerfullygiven.com. So get over there before you miss out. And don't forget, you can stay connected with us at TBN UK by following our social media at TBN UK TV. We'll see you there and can't wait for you to listen to the next episode.